In this episode of Talking Australia, I'm chatting to Rob McLean, one half of the Numbat Task Force, which was created to fight the challenges facing WA's small Numbat population in the Dryandra Woodland. The team have successfully stopped encroaching developments and raised the profile of this struggling animal. In 2018, the task force was awarded the prestigious Australian Geographic Conservationist of the Year Award. So I'm really excited to be talking to Rob today on this episode of Talking Australia. Now, Rob, tell me, when and where did your love of numbats begin? Um, Well, I grew up in Sydney and... After, uh, I think, when I was about 34, I got a bit crook and I come over here with my wife, got offered a good job. So we come over here and I'd seen a, a few shows on the television when I was younger about numbats, you know. As soon as I got to Western Australia, my dream was to go and see a numbat. And it just happened where we moved, about an hour and a half over the top of the hill, is Dryandra Woodland, which was one of the places where numbats have still could be found. So I started going over there. It took us a while to find one, but once I did, it was just addicted. They're, they're the coolest. How did you feel when you saw your first numbat? Oh, it was fantastic, mate. I had uh, me two young blokes with me. It was a really quiet numbat, and it just come up and it walked around my kids' feet and everything, and I had a video, a little video recorder, and was recording it, and it was walking around in the kids and that. We sat with it for oh, more than an hour, you know, and, and watched it walk off and go to bed in the log, and it was just amazing. And you see the look on the kids' faces with the big grins, you know, teeth showing, and as it walked over past them, and it was just fantastic. And they're just the coolest animal. And tell me, what fascinates you in particular about the numbat? Um, I don't know. It's probably everything. They just look so cool. One of the things, and I think this goes for everything, a stripy creature. Anything with stripes is popular for a start, I think. Agreed. Zebras, um, acarpies, all that sort of stuff. As soon as it's got a... But in the context of Australia, like you've got two animals that are active during the day. One of them's a numbat and the... Oh, two mammals, sorry, that's active during the day. One of them's a numbat, the other's a musky rat kangaroo. Everything else... If you want to go and watch mammals, you've got to do it at night. Numbats are one of the only ones you can go and watch doing their thing during the day, you know. So it's a, it's really unusual. Going back to what you said before about, you know, the ability that you had to kind of walk around them and view them for up to an hour without them kind of scampering off, you know, that's, to me, that's so weird because, you know, if you came across any other mammal, they'd be running, the, you know, the other direction. That is one of the things that puts them in danger, doesn't it? Yeah, but that, that's not all numbats. That was just right. that one and that was a cool one. It was, it was a cool one to get at first because the hook was in and, and that was it then, you know. But a lot of the time you'll see them and they they're all got their different personalities. So a lot of the time you'll see them, and you pick your camera up to take a photo and all you get a photo is their bum running away from you, you know, <laughs> with their tail in the air. But when you get a good one, it's worth it. You know, it might be one in 20, but when you get a good one, it keeps you going. Yeah, right. But it would make them quite vulnerable to cats and things like that in those yeah. scenarios. Well, look at all Australian mammals, mate. They're, they're not noted for their intelligence, are they, really? And especially when you throw a cat 
or a fox into the picture, something that they've never adapted to, never evolved with or anything like that. They're one of the, the things that they get the most and they're in that critical weight range where they're under two kilos, perfect meal for a cat. And if a cat sat there, if there was baby numbats coming out of a burrow or whatever, a cat could sit there and eat the lot, eat the lot by afternoon, you know. If it finds it, it can have more. And what are beyond the cats? What are some of the other big challenges for the for numbat conservation? A lot of the things here. Well, they used to be found over half of the country, right? The southern half of the country, virtually. So, once the fox was introduced, numbats. When the fox moved across Australia, numbats disappeared behind them. They only came to two places. There was only two places left. One of them was. Uh, Dryandra Woodland and the other was Tone Perup down in the Upper Warren region of Western Australia. Now, if you just take the Dryandra Woodland, which is in the wheat belt of the WA, it is 93% cleared of natural vegetation. So there's only 7% left. So of that, Dryandra Woodland is 3%. And that's only 26,000 hectares. The main block is only... 12,000 hectares and all the rest, everything else is so fragmented. So even if even if they're doing great there, there's nowhere for them to leave and go to. The, the, the habitat that they live in over here now is so fragmented, it's, it's hard for them to move out when they reach, you know, capacity in that place. So hard for them to move out to other places. Mm. And obviously you're looking at all these challenges and you're now part of uh, the Numbat Task Force. Tell me about, which is an amazing name, by the way, <laughs> um, tell me about how that came about. We, we were just a bunch of blokes who were all out in the woodland. There was four of us to start with. We were all out in the woodland. You'd run across each other every now and then, you know, and what are you seeing? Or, or the big question is, everybody, have you seen any? That's the first thing you get asked when you come across somebody, you know, you've seen any. So we'd just uh, go around the wood, then we all struck up a bit of a friendship, then we got into it, and then one day we were just driving around looking for them, so we'd end up going in two cars, you know, with walkie-talkies, and one would go in front and one would go behind, and if the first one missed them and they ran, the second one would pick them up, and one day somebody just said, you know, hey, we're the Numbat Task Force. And that's how the name come about, you know. But there's only the uh, two of us in the task force now, me and uh, my mate John, who lives out there at Dryandra Woodland. He's a caretaker of the village, great bloke and passionate wildlife lover. And obviously you both spend a lot of time cataloguing and photograph- photographing numbats. I guess the big question is why? What drives that? You never get that photo you really want to. You see a photo in your head, you never really get it. But then the other thing is they're just so cool to see. And when you get to watch one for a while, they're just so cool. And we go around, everyone we see, we GPS, we try and get a backstripe photo of it because they're all like like, like zebras. It's, it's like a fingerprint. So every backstripe is different. So if you go around and... You can, you can see if you've seen that one before and you can tell if the population's getting bigger or smaller or from that when you see different ones in different areas. So, yeah, it's just I don't, 
it's hard to put your finger on. They're pretty special. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, um, I've been following your photography for a while and you talk a lot about, you know, um, kind of, uh, I guess, improving the image and raising awareness about numbats. Do you think that because it's a state emblem, people sort of don't believe that the animal could be close to extinction? A lot of Western Australians don't even know what a numbat is, you mm. know. The quokka has just had this big explosion of publicity and everything. Yeah, you need to get the pe- same PR around. person that the quokka has. <laughs> well, you need to get numbats to sit still so you can take a selfie. <laughs> That's yeah, the one true, that true. <laughs> yeah. But they've just um, – I think uh, it's good now. When we used to go out there a couple of years ago, you would see nobody. You go out now and you see people looking for numbats all the time. So that's a really good thing because it, we're, everybody's trying to raise awareness, lift it up. People are – even people you see one time, they go and look for – when they see their first one, you see them out there all the time, you know. They're out there looking the same as us because they're just that charismatic. But it's, it's, um, it's a shame they don't get the profile they deserve. Like you think about koalas, look at a koala's profile compared to a numbats or some of it, you know, even some of our other endangered animals like, like bilbies, mulgaras, things like that. All these, it's the cuddly stuff that people can go to and stand next to and at the zoo, they're the ones that get the attention, whereas a lot of our other wildlife, people don't even know it exists. And I have to ask, your photography is so amazing when it comes to numbats. What's your, like, what's your kind of, what's your secret with that? A lot of patience and going out a lot. Mm. The more you're not going to see a numbat sitting on your lounge at home. (laughs) That's true. You've got to go where they are. And a lot of it's patience and just persistence. Mm. you just got to keep on persisting. And thanks and for the compliment a, too, by the way. Do you have a particular favourite? Uh, we got we had a few favourites a few years back. We had one male numbat that had just come and walk around us. It was pretty good. There's a, a female out there at the moment. We haven't seen her for a couple of months, but she's very quiet and just comes up. She actually, we were sitting there watching her one day and she just walked up and John sat his hand down and she walked up and sniffed his hand. You know, and I've got a photo of that, which uh, that was probably one of the best photos I've ever got. His face wasn't in it. I wish it was because you should have seen the grin on his face. It was was brilliant. (laughs) so sweet. Um, And now you helped out on the ABC's biggest natural history series in a long time, Magical Land of Oz. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, it was a great experience, you know, just being able to help me out. And there was um, was myself... uh, Tamara Wilkes-Jones, another Mark Dewson who helped out on it as well. Then you had the principal research scientist, Tony Friend, who's probably the, you know, the man most responsible for us still having numbats in the world today. And another man, Brian McMahon, all the people, everybody just came together and it was a really good, everybody focus on what they wanted to get. Everybody worked in that one direction and it was... It was brilliant. And to tell you the truth, it um, taught me a lot about photography. I was like a robber fly, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah, they're trying <laughs> to get information about taking good film and good photos. It was brilliant. 
And tell me about some of the ideas you've worked on to protect the numbats, because I know there's been conversations around detection dogs recently. Yeah, we we um got a few bucks through. Uh, it was the foundation from Australia's most endangered animals, which is a great mob, you know, doing on ground work that counts. Um, there was money from them, money from the Threatened Species Commissioner at the time under the Landcare program, and we got a detection dog out there to see whether the detection dog could find cats and how effective it was. Now, the thing is, uh, it was effective, like at finding cats, scat and that, it was really effective. When the dog came across um, a cat, a collared cat, so they, they collared a few cats so they knew yes or no, does it work? And um, it that turned out effective, but as a bang for your buck thing, it probably wasn't the best way to go about it. What would you prefer it have gone toward? Um, no, it was good. It was good. Learned something from it, you know. If there was yeah. a, a massive cat population and you took a dog in there, it would be effective. It would be really effective. But if you're in a little reserve where there's cats are roaming in and out from farmland, the cat's got to be there for the dog to find. So you might run around for a week and there might never be a cat sitting in the reserve for that week or it mightn't be in the area right, where you are. Right, right. So it's a, it was really effective when you look at the, the numbers, but as far as... 100% practical, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a bang for your buck thing. It, you probably get a, a better understand, uh, a better cat control result through baiting and trapping and working on the farmlands on the edge of the reserve than you do from, from that in the middle. And how big, of, how big of an issue is land clearing when it comes to the wombat or just development in that area? The numbat. I think I just said wombat. I meant numbat. <laughs> it's not a wombat. Let's, let's edit that. Let's edit that. <laughs> yeah. Um, land clearing, like I said, it, it's 93% cleared over here. So there's only 3% left there. And you look at land clearing everywhere. Look at the leaf-eaters possum in Victoria, you know. They're still logging. Still logging where that's found, so land clearance is a massive issue for for all our wildlife. You know, where where it is in the wheat belt at the moment, land clearing isn't really an issue because the only bits that are left, the little bit that's left, is protected. So the land clearing had a massive effect on it in the beginning because it took away all that habitat and it was only a couple of little pieces that were left where they were found, but. As far as now, the land clearing where numbats are found is is minimal, apart from some logging in the up uh, the upper Warren area, but in the wheat belt itself, there's no there's really nothing left unprotected to be cleared. And what does the future look like for the numbat task force? Like, what are you guys focusing on at the moment? Feral animal control is the main thing with with um, all, all our wildlife. Like our wildlife's really resilient. We've got animals that can live in the middle of the desert, like the bilby and golden bandicoots, all that. Numbats can live anywhere where there's termites. 
over the southern half of Australia, but they can't live with foxes and cats, and that's what counts. And the Western Shield program, I know 1080 bait gets a bit of a, a bad rap, but in a, in a context in Western Australia, especially the southwest, it is the best and most effective thing that can be done to protect our wildlife because the, the animals in the southwest have such a resilience to 1080, it's unbelievable. Like a possum in the southwest can eat 70 baits a night, 70 fox baits a night, come back the next night, eat another 70, come back the next night, eat another 70, and it won't be affected. It'll probably explode because it'll be so fat, but it will not affect its, um, the 1080 will not kill, because our animals have grown up with that. So that's the tool that's got to be used. So we've had a bit of a win uh, in the recent times where they're going to extend the fox baiting, the uh, the eradicate and fox baiting, and in uh, how would you say it? Incorporate eradicate into the fox baiting regime, so it'll be on a rotational basis. And that's probably we've had cameras in a reserve for a few years now, so we'll be able to have the bait go down. The the department will put the bait. We'll be able to watch the animals, check our cameras, and see exactly the effect that that has on our native wildlife in the little wheat belt reserves where they need the most help. And what are some of your hopes for the numbats future? Because I know there are plans to sort of, or there have been in the past, little reintroductions, but what's kind of your grand plan? What sort of, you know, what does your dream look like for the numbat? My dream, personally, there's been a lot of reintroductions that, some have worked, some haven't worked. There's a, a few, like Voyage and Nature Reserves, a little reserve, two little blocks, 2,000 hectares each. All the wildlife up there is kicking. You've got other reserves like Chutenning Nature Reserve, which is going down a bit. Dragon Rocks Nature Reserve, which is 30,000 hectares, which could hold a good population of numbats. If we could get them in there. But if, if we can nail, like, cat, Cats, feral cats. If we can nail feral cats, there's no reason why numbats can't go through the whole, like the whole Great Western Woodland, hundreds of kilometres, an area of hundreds of kilometres. That's my my ultimate dream would be for my great-grandchildren to be able to go and see a numbat in the wild, that they're still around, that everybody's done their little bit and that numbats are still around for future generations because the way I see it, we're just custard. We've only got a few trips around the sun, you know, each of us. We've only got a few trips around the sun and we've got no right or no moral right not to look after everything that's here while we're being here and leave what's here for the next generation and the next generation. Nothing... Nothing in the natural world is expendable, in my view. You're just an everyday guy who took on this, you know, immense conservation challenge. How would you get other people around Australia to take up similar challenges? you just got to follow your passion, mate. If you're passionate about something, that's all that really matters. Passion gets you a long way. Like, I didn't even finish school, you know. I drive a bloody meat truck. Me mate out there 
works at the village, caretaker in the village, but passion has got us this far and passion will take us the rest of the way. So the waterfalls start with a single drop of water, don't they? So it only takes one step. If you take one step in the right direction, at least you're starting the journey. So I reckon everybody, mate, if you're passionate about something, you just chase your dream as hard as you can. And that's such an inspiring note to end on, Rob. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. No worries. Thank you very much. You have a great day and stay safe, eh? That's it for today's episode of Talking Australia. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Write us an email, podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on Instagram at australiangeographic. And if you go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia, you'll find a special subscription offer for our listeners. So don't wait and go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Thanks for listening. Until next time.